Well, good afternoon, everybody. Afternoon, Taylor. Afternoon, Dad. How are you? Busy. Busy. Yes, you are busy. Hey, guess what? Hey, what? Spring is here. Summer might even be here. The humidity says that <laughs> summer's here already. There's not a whole lot of humidity out there. My hair says otherwise. The pollening is happening, though. Oh, my word. What was it? I noticed uh, when we were out, we did actually go fishing this week. Well, and several weeks ago, we were on Lake Murray that the pine well, trees were blowing, and you had this yellow fog coming off the pine but trees. What I would notice was when we went to do, we went to our, we actually went to Kiwi the other day, and I put something out on the seat. <laughs> yes. And when I picked, your phone. I think it was my phone. It yeah, was your phone. I, when I picked it up. There was a like a yellow, yellow layer of it, like opening. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all the all the graph screens had pollen oh, on them. And everything. Yeah. yeah. There's a pollen everywhere. It's like snow, but it makes you sneeze. Yeah. <laughs> it's yellow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. But, uh, yeah, going into this Easter weekend, I uh, hope all of you have, uh, you know, from my from my childhood, um, I can remember uh, Easter morning services, sunrise services, and I remember one of the last ones with my granddaddy Metz. We went to a pond outside of Red Bank uh, for his churches, and I, I think he died there in June after we went to that service together. Uh, but those sunrise services are special. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to wait till Easter morning to have one. Mm-hmm. Any morning you're outdoors is anytime you see a sunrise, that is a it's a promise of a new day. Mm-hmm. Easter in itself has a very special meaning, and I hope you get out and uh, and uh, participate and, and be part of it and um, are blessed because of that. But yes, Easter tomorrow. The spring is here, yeah. Spring is here, <laughs> and this year is getting away from us in a hurry. Uh, but yeah, we did. We oh, can I tell them what I am now? Besides an accountant, a radio it? host. Can what I say it? Yeah, go ahead. You're a boat mechanic. A boat mechanic. I think I heard that about 28 times. Yeah, that was before. Day. That was about 50 times before you heard. I'm not a boat mechanic. Yeah. I can't fix this. What am I think I'm doing? Yep. I don't know how, folks. But there's a there's something on a motor called a bearing carrier assembly <laughs> that the shaft fits through that kind of like makes everything work um, gear wise down there in the bottom of the motor mm-hmm. and somehow or another ours broke mm-hmm. I don't know how mm-hmm. it's got two little two little ends I don't know top and bottom that have holes that bolts go through and both of those things broke. It had like a half-inch pushback, and what we realized was we, we were missing reverse. Yeah, we were, actually. and um, Went fishing twice without reverse. It, it was not comforting because I like brakes, and, you know, boats don't have brakes, so my brake was reverse, and, um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but yeah, so I fixed it. I got I got a new part. Mm-hmm. Got a big old can of grease. Mm-hmm. Um, those poor bolts were bent. Uh and Mercury's out of them, folks. You cannot get those bolts from Mercury. Nobody has them in stock. Mercury didn't have them. So but we I did were, the, I we did were the determined old, that's to right. go fishing. And when I was a kid, I straightened many a bent nail on a vice. Mm-hmm. And so I took both those bolts out. They're double-ended bolts or whatever. And I took those things out and took them out there on the vice and kind of hammered them straight, flat again, <laughs> and uh, ran a nut over them to get the threads worked out again. And then, Taylor, you were with me there in the final 
hour. Final minutes. Yeah, when I was trying to get yep. that thing back in there. And it just wouldn't go. I could get it within like an eighth of an inch of going back in there. Mm-hmm. And just something wasn't right. Pulled it off one time, and there's a there's a bearing ring in there. It's a, it's a ring. It's probably, I don't know, what, That's pretty four big. inches across. Yeah. And it's about a half inch wide, and instead of having, it's just got bearings all the way, little roller bearings, not little round ones, but mm-hmm. like little half inch roller bearings all the way around it. And I looked at that thing, I was like, I bet that clicks in. I bet that goes somewhere. And so on the back of the bearing assembly, there's this little rim, and I took that thing and snapped it over and snapped, and I went, uh oh, and I Push it there and I whoosh all the way in. I'm like, nuts, 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 please. That's tighten them now before it falls back out. But anyway, so we did. We had to do a test run. We did. And honestly, I, you know, we got everything on the boat. We got oh, to the oh, ramp. Oh, oh, we replaced oh, the oil oh. in the foot, too. Yeah, we did. We did, yeah. We did. Yep. yeah. But sitting there at the ramp getting everything stowed and all that, and I'm here, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at the dock, and I'm like, if my motor explodes right here <laughs> because of something that Go dad in did. the water. Yeah. Go um, in the water. Yeah. And so yeah, we backed in, and I cranked up. I knew it was going to crank fine, but I was like, all right, here we go. In go reverse. In reverse. And it actually went in smoother than it yeah, did before. Yeah. Hey, throwing off a lot of smoke there first. I thought maybe you yeah. were on fire or something. but That I think was kind of freaky. Yeah, a little oil in the crank, crankcase and all. And <laughs> I was like, okay, which way do I jump? Right, right or left? Hey, <laughs> I can now replace the bearing, the carrier assembly in a 2003 Mercury 90. Yep. And it ran smooth. We had a oh yeah, we had a good yeah. Day. It was it was so smooth running down Lake Kiwi. Yep. I got a video, and it doesn't seem like you're moving except for the trees around you are passing you by. Yeah. So there's just there's just nothing. It's like you're sitting there. Mm-hmm. It is really a cool it video. Uh, caught, uh, oh, overall, fishing was um, pretty sad. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Yes, it was. Oh, we ran around a bunch. We ran, but. We like to dock fish, Daddy, and there was nothing on a dock. Yeah, there was nothing on docks. Nothing up shallow last week on Kiwi. But I can say that I am another example of that fish grease stuff. That is oh, the bait fuel? Horrendous. It's not. It, t- it feels it, kind it of funny, but it's not disgusting. bad. Um, but let me tell you, I rubbed that on my Senkos and my shaky head, and I caught... Like, all the fish that I caught were when I had rubbed that stuff on it. And, yeah, it was... Coincidence or results? Mm. I'm going to say results. Mm. I'm, I'm going to say results because I used the same color Senko on a place not too far um, from where we had started. And I used that bait fuel and... And it was funny because she watched both the fish eat it. Two of her fish ate the Senko while she was watching them. They weren't on the bed or anything. They were just cruising, cruising. the bank. And of course, Kiwi's clear. My gosh, we were twelve. We were in twelve feet Straight of water. Down. You can see the bottom. <laughs> yeah, probably thirteen by the time you add in the foot on the trolling motor. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, we we ran into one pocket I was wanting to check out, and the spots were chasing on top, and so we caught some on top water. Well, we didn't have top water. We had we some real uh, magic swimmers, so yeah, we, we some caught some baits. of those. Yep. Um, nothing. Uh, well, you caught some cruisers shallow. Yeah. And then from 45 feet deep, I dredged up a four monster. 4.91 ounce spotted bass. I thought it was a large mouth. I thought I, I had a catfish. <laughs> I mean, that's the biggest spot I've ever caught. I mean, I caught some three-pound spots, maybe a little over, but 4.9. Uh, pretty one. big. Yeah. And I caught it on the smallest rod I have. It's a 6.8 
extra fast tip rod, level rod. Um, I had to send that picture to Anthony, and I said, holy smoke, I thought, you know, I didn't think I was going to get in the boat. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, 45 feet deep. But and everybody, let it be known that I only lost this time by one fish. Oh, but you still lost. But I, it was only You're by one. It, uh, you lost on Murray uh, the other day, too. Uh-oh. Down two to one. I'll bring it. I'll get it. I'll get it when it says. I'll beat you. Joe Cassie's coming up. Yeah, it is. Joe Cassie's coming up. We'll have to see how we do up there. I'm going to win because that's where I've had the best luck. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> to realize it's not luck. Put, put, me, on to... some, put me on some bed fish up there. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to go up there. And uh, we have heard from one C-O-double-B uh, <laughs> on the Elite Series that when the smallmouth go on the bed on Lake Joe Cassie, it's fun. So we going to find that we're the three of us are going to go up to Joe Cassie and and see if we can't catch and some we'll smallmouths. Me and Brandon can um, survive uh, on a boat together. Yeah, because I'm going to take your boat. I'm going to stay on. I'm going to take your boat. You two can fish off his boat. That way, if oh, he great. likes, if he wants to push you in, he can. What What if I push him in first? <laughs> You'd best not push him in. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say. <laughs> oh, we didn't get to the calendar. Yeah, we'll get that later. <laughs> That's right. Uh, got John Coclazier from the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation on talking about the Sunday hunting bill here in South Carolina. And uh, then we got some more stuff later on, so y'all hang on. More Woods and Water South Carolina on the other side. And welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. <clears throat> Me and my croaky voice. Yep. Taylor, with your schedule. Yep. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's a busy show, y'all. Y'all need to keep up because right now we've got John Coclazier on. He's a uh, uh, is it is it the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation or the Congressional Sportsman's Caucus? It's the first Congressional Sportsman's Foundation. Foundation. Okay. Gotcha. For some reason, my mind just went. Oh no, which one is it? Uh. And is there even a foundation? Uh, yeah, so we, uh, we're the foundation, and we support the Congressional Sportsman's Caucus. Okay. Yep. There you go. Well, welcome back, John. You've been on the show before. Um, always a pleasure to uh, see your name pop up on the phone, because I know we got some good radio coming and some good issues that's pertinent to South Carolina. And this is no different. We've got a Sunday hunting bill that we're going to talk about. Uh, but take just a moment, introduce yourself again, just because it's been maybe, I don't know, maybe a year or so. Um, sure. But, yeah, just tell us, and give us just a taste of what the foundation is all about and why it exists. Sure. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Excited to be here, and you know, hope you've been able to get out in the turkey woods this spring. And no. It's a good time. <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you can change that soon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm the Southeastern States Director for the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation. Yeah, we're the support entity for the Congressional Sportsman's Caucus, uh, as well as the state-level sportsman's caucuses like the South Carolina uh, yeah. Legislative Sportsman's Caucus there in Columbia. Absolutely. We were we were talking when you called earlier this week, and we were setting this up and all. Uh, you you were born here in South Carolina, raised here in South Carolina, and, and you, you're, it even goes deeper in the South Carolina history. Take a minute to talk about it, because I think this is really cool, folks. Listen closely. Uh, yeah, sure. I was born in uh, Charleston, but most of my family is from uh, Calhoun County. And, uh, you know, our first ancestor was actually a, a land grave on the Ashapoo River. And then 
you know, later uh, had, you know, uh, multiple ancestors that fought in the Revolutionary War and also the war between the states, yeah. including three ancestors who signed the Ordinance of Secession, including the Reverend John Jacob Watermaker, <laughs> who signed the opening prayer uh, there in Abbeville when they signed the, the ordinance. Pretty, that's pretty cool, that, that Taylor. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta look that up. It's somewhere in the back of my head. It seems like Abbeville seceded from South Carolina before South Carolina seceded from the Union. I think I gotta look that up. But uh, that's cool. It, that and that that is what makes this show so much fun. Every time you talk to somebody, whether somebody new or somebody's been on before, you learn just a little bit more about each other. And thanks for sharing that, John. I appreciate it. It's South Carolina history. Gotta love it. Absolutely. Gotta love it. All right. So South Carolina, deep blue state. In the South, our red state, but you know, you know what I'm talking about, folks. Uh, Sunday hunting on public land has never been an option. Uh, you know, and John, and I've talked about this. I was, you know, private land, and I've never had to deal with public land hunting. I have done some, and I've, there's a lot of it out there. Uh, but there's been a movement over the last couple of years to uh, open up Sunday hunting here in South Carolina on, on state land, federal land, that sort of thing. And uh, John, it's it's where is it sitting? It seems like it's passed all the way through the House and now is sitting ready to go into the full Senate, or is it still in the subcommittee on the Senate side? Yeah, it's still in – it's currently in the Senate Fish Game and Forestry Committee. I okay. uh, did, did pass the House of Representatives uh, two weeks ago. Okay, that's it. That's it. Real quick, and it's a real short bill. I mean, I printed it off half the pages, versions of the bill, amendments, and who introduced it and all that, but it's pretty simple. Proposed the repeal of South Carolina Regulation 12340, General Regulation 2.5, which is the ban on sunny hunting, and allow sunny hunting on wildlife managed areas owned by the department or leased from the USDA Forest Service, subject to regulations promulgated by the department. Um, and, uh, you know, has to go through everything, signed by the... But as you and I were talking, and we each, we each bring our own our own background into this thing, and when I first thought of sunny hunting, I was like, you know, I... I I grew up, like I said, private land. You know, we had quail we hunted. Uh, when the deer moved in, we hunted deer. I can vividly remember a cold morning in November. Uh, my mom and I were taking a walk. It was a Sunday morning. And probably the biggest buck I have ever seen in my entire life was running does around the, the pasture at the farm. And I wanted to get my gun and shoot him. And my mom says, <laughs> no, son, we don't hunt things on Sunday. Now, she didn't hunt. Now, don't get me, you know. She wasn't right. my hunting mentor, but she goes, no, we just don't hunt on Sunday. And that's the way I grew up, other than, like, you know, being out west where your hunt runs a week or whatever, and it's kind of you just block it off and go. I just haven't hunted on Sunday, and that's that's where I come from, and you come from kind of the same thing. Sure. But uh, you've seen this happen in other states. So take just a couple minutes and, and tell us what some other states around us have done, how they've handled this, and, and what some of the benefits you've seen from those states has been. Sure. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah. So like you, you know, uh, growing up in my other half of the family's from North Carolina. So growing up in the Carolinas, you know, neither state offered Sunday hunting. So that's when growing up. So, you know, I had the same experience as you. Um, you know, my great grandfather was a, a minister and, you know, very religious family. So sure. he used to hunt on Sunday. And, um, you know, I think it was in 2015, North Carolina legalized Sunday hunting on private land and South Carolina did it. Think a little bit before that, um, and so currently, like, like you mentioned, it's legal. People do hunt on Sunday sure. on private land if they want. You know, you're not mandated to. Um, and it's this big picture. It's just an access thing. You know, we're losing hunters left and right. There's a lot of 
competition for kids' activities and sports and, comp, you know, just uh, hard to get out, find time to get outside. And one one day on the weekend is pretty important to maintain uh, access and make sure people have the opportunity to spend time with uh, friends and family in the great outdoors. And, uh, you know, basically the Sunday hunting prohibitions are, are blue laws, just like any other blue law, like by alcohol sales or, or whatever. And those have been repealed over time. You know, if you look at the history of blue laws, it'd be like no dancing on Sunday or no, <laughs> no, no stores or I mean, no commerce at all. Oh, yeah. Are, now you can go to sporting events and breweries and buy lottery tickets and do. I mean, I know in South Carolina, I know the, the county beer sales are county by county. But, you right. know, generally you can do a lot on Sunday except hunt. You can fish. You can boat. You can horseback ride. You can you can do pretty much any recreational activity except hunt. So from our perspective, we're just trying to get more folks outside and reduce barriers to people getting the outdoors. And if you look at it across the country, there are only three states, uh, and uh, South Carolina is the only southern state that has an absolute prohibition on Sunday hunting on public lands. Okay. So Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, Arkansas, Louisiana, Texas, Kentucky. North Carolina now allows it. Virginia, just the governor here, signed the law. I live now, signed the bill into law uh, about a week ago. Uh, so that will be effective July 1st. So, um, you know, these are all southern states with strong, you know, uh, uh, strong Christian heritage. And some of those states even have higher church attendance rates than South Carolina sure. does. So, um, you know, it's growing up with Sunday hunting. And now it's going to, if it changes, it changes hard. And, you know, I understand that. <laughs> uh, but I'll just say I've some other states that have recently opened it up, you know, West Virginia re- opened up all their Sunday hunting in 2018 on uh, national forests, state forests, wildlife management areas, and they, it's been really successful. Um, the DNR strongly supported it there. You know, they understood the need to get more folks outside. And most of these lands are lands uh, that are, you know, either purchased or purchased in part where the maintenance is paid for with dollars from sportsmen, you know, sure. hunter, hunters, recreational shooters, and then. In South Carolina, hunters are the only user group that has to buy an annual, you know, uh, stamp or permit. They pay that $5 permit every year. So we're, we're paying into the system for less access. And, um, you know, uh, where other states have opened it up, it's, it's been really successful. And so, like, North Carolina did it last year was their first time. They opened about 1.6 million acres of their uh, game lands, what they call WMAs in North Carolina, including all four national forests. And I uh, haven't heard anything negative. I don't know if there's been any user conflicts. That was kind of the big concern sure. uh, with, you know, other user groups. And they and they went through and they had a good public input process uh, with hikers and bikers and horse people and hunters, too, and try to figure out where they can implement it successfully and uh, recommended, you know, a, a big portion of the game lands. And then they'll probably or hopefully add some more over time. But they did carve out the areas around urban areas like around Asheville and Raleigh-Durham and, and some of those places. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big picture. It's just a, just an access barrier for, for our uh, hunting community. Sure. And you figure, you know, if you got kids in the fall and they try any, any sports, that's Saturday sports, and that knocks mm-hmm. out a day of time that not just adults but parents and adults and parents and kids can get out there and enjoy the outdoors together. It, it's, that's right. That's a limit, but that's part of growing up. You know, kids want to play sports. Taylor, you want to play basketball. Mm-hmm. A lot of Saturday mornings in basketball. Um, got about two minutes, maybe two and a half minutes left. This kind of would start the ball rolling. Um, take us through the next steps and what lands might be open and what might not be open. Sure. Yeah. So right now, the DNR has the authority to change the regs, and um, 
this is just, you know, basically encouraging them to come up with those regs and, and propose something. Um, and what, the way the bill is written, it would only apply to DNR uh, or department owned. So it would not apply to any uh, lands that are leased by the DNR, like say from a, a land trust or a timber company or other okay. land. Um, so this is just department owned lands and then U.S. Forest Service lands, which are federal lands. And those are open to Sunday hunting all across the country. Okay. Um, they're owned by the Forest Service. So, um, it would be, it would be a, uh, just an incremental approach. And then even the regs they propose, I, I would expect that some areas are going to be carved out. Some, some areas that might be popular with, um, you know, hikers and bikers and horse people. Um, you know, there's been a lot of pushback from the horse riding community. So I would expect that those aren't proposed the first time around. So okay. they'll probably come back with something more comprehensive, but it's not going to be a fell, a fell swoop that every WMA is open to Sunday hunting in, in the state. Okay. All right. And I just it didn't have. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. And it has to go back through, I mean, all the regs in South Carolina have to go through, you know, the, have legislative oversight. So by no means is this a, a done deal that this bill passes this year. It's still okay. a multi-year process. What do people need to do in the last 30 seconds or 45 seconds? What do they need to do uh, to support this bill? Yeah, thanks. If you want to support the bill, uh, look up the committee members on the Senate Fish Game and Forestry Committee. Uh, Senator Chip Campson is the chairman. Um, and just reach out to, to all of them and let them know uh, that you're a hunter and you, you, you care about public lands and you, you know you don't you can't afford a place to hunt and you, you appreciate their investment in the WMA system and would appreciate their uh, support for the bill. Absolutely. John, it, uh, uh, you, you talked a lot. I heard you. Yeah. I heard you. <laughs> You were going to have that, a go to it. That's a good thing, though. That's a good thing. Because it's good information. That's right. Good information. Uh, always, I, I appreciate you taking time to uh, – I know it's your job, but you enjoy your job. It comes through in the conversations we have, and um, thank you for that. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah, well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate what you all do. And, you know, I'm a, I, you know, I don't have a hunting lease currently, so I hunt WMAs, <laughs> and, you know, it's a, so it's a, it's a pro- professional and uh, personal – uh, thing for me to, to care about this. Sure, absolutely. And we appreciate that for you. Uh, hey, don't hesitate to call me anytime you need something. And uh, I guess we'll see you here in a, maybe a month or so. I'll see you. Yes, so, sir. Yeah, we'll be down until soon. Burn some powder and smoke some clays, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right, John. Take care. Thanks much. Yeah. Folks, hang yeah, on. More Woods and Water South Carolina on the other side. Anybody to sleep out there today, but uh, yeah, that one's kind of we we like the Doobie Brothers though. Yeah, we do. We open a show every week with it. So uh, anyway, welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. I hope if you uh, if you have an inclination to support the Sunny Hunting Bill here in South Carolina, that you will get a hold of the the senators on the uh, the Senate Committee, Agriculture Committee, and uh, and yeah, it is about access. And uh, as we and and just. Boy, this just runs right into what we're talking about, access to people getting outdoors. We know with the pandemic, a lot of y'all jumped outside for the first time ever, and this show never, this is never a slow show. There's always something new, always something going on, and I just happened to see something on Carolina Wildlife Syndicate Facebook page about a new wilderness first aid course being offered. I uh, typed in a message, Taylor, somebody was answered it. Again? Again. Really? 
And wow. we have not one, we have two. We have Daniel and Natalie with us. Um, and they have a something called the Wilderness Medical Society and a Wilderness First Aid course that's going to be taught on Zoom. And uh, first of all, I'd like Daniel, take just a moment to introduce yourself. Natalie, introduce yourself. And Natalie had a great intro to this thing. She's already been through it once off the air. She's going to do it again. The second time will be good. Uh, but introduce yourselves and, and how you, you know, where you are and how you came to be here in South Carolina and how this course came up. This is taught in South Carolina. And, and Natalie, I want you to introduce it. And we're going to fill it out, but uh, take off with it. Okay, great. Uh, well, thanks again for having us. Yes, sir. My name is Daniel Bontheus. Um I'm in, uh, a medical student at the Medical University of South Carolina, and I also have a PhD in biomedical engineering with a focus in the development of orthopedic devices. Uh, I'm also an avid outdoorsman. I love to hike. I love to camp, rock climb, snowboard, basically anything in the outdoors you can think of. I really enjoy doing it, and so does Natalie. Um, and, uh, so now I'll let Natalie introduce herself. Yes, please. So I'm Natalie Bontheus. That's okay. Uh, I'm Daniel's sister, and I am a medical doctor. I went to medical school down in Orlando at the University of Central Florida, and now I'm based out of Salt Lake City, Utah, um, specializing in emergency and wilderness medicine. Wow. And so I actually founded Survival Med back in September when we were realizing that there's just a tremendous need for better access to outdoor medical education, and there's you know, enormous numbers of people going into the outdoors, sometimes for the first time sure. during the pandemic. Um, others, you know, it just had been a long time since they'd had any kind of class to learn what to do if something goes wrong out there. And uh, the number of search and rescue calls we were seeing across the U.S. skyrocketed in the past couple of years. And in a lot of counties have been completely overwhelmed with their search and rescue teams in terms of responding to these new calls. Um, a lot more outdoor injuries coming into the emergency rooms. And so all of those factors just made us, you know, stop and think about what we could do better to serve the public in terms of education and access to it. And so we decided to kind of bring wilderness medicine sort of into the 21st century by teaching it online. Sure. And so at first it seemed a little bit counterintuitive, like how do you teach outdoor skills over a laptop? And how well is that going to work? But we kind of played around with it for all of the fall and winter months and developed a whole curriculum, essentially translating wilderness first aid and first responder courses into a virtual format so that it would be able to reach more people. And since then, it's just grown tremendously. Um, We've had people in 100 countries and all seven continents take it at this point. Wow. Um, now we work directly with hundreds of surgeon and rescue teams across the U.S., uh, both for their members and for the people they serve uh, to take the classes, different firefighting groups, military troops, um, you know, medical personnel, lay people. It's just a huge spectrum, and it's really cool to see how it's grown in the first few months alone. <laughs> to have that many people on that many continents and all that, yeah, I would say it's uh, it's probably exceeded your expectations. Oh, yes. Yep, by far. <laughs> it's kind of the power of the virtual world sure. and in terms of growth and outreach. Yeah, and that really, the, that virtual world blew up over the last two years with, with I now know what Zoom is and Teams and all that stuff, and normally I wouldn't have a clue what that yeah. means. Um, yeah, I think it kind of stretched our limit of um, 
it pushed us, you know, beyond those boundaries that we thought uh, we had in terms of how we were delivering courses sure. and, and how we can get people this information. Daniel, take us through what this course is about. Yeah, um, so just piggybacking off of what Natalie said, um, uh, previously there were Wilderness First Aid and Wilderness First Responder courses being offered by various groups. Um, however, uh, the problem, well, these courses were great, but the problem is um, they a lot of times they required people to spend 16 hours of in-person training, and uh, they were offered in limited locations. So a lot of times it required people to travel to go to the place. And for the majority of people, um, this wasn't a accessible option okay. uh, because it's very difficult for people to take off work for a couple of days to travel to a location to learn about uh, wilderness first aid and how to respond to various injuries and medical conditions that can happen in the wilderness. So we wanted to make this information as accessible to people as possible, um, and we do that now by offering it in an online format. Um, we make our classes compact uh, with um, the high-density information, um, information that is practical for people to know when they go out into the wilderness. So uh, in our courses, we cover um, things like splinting bones, dressing wounds, stopping bleeding, um, how to deal with hypothermia, hyperthermia, uh, how to deal with flash floods, avalanches, uh, altitude illness, uh, communicable, disease, communicable diseases, uh, a lot of animals that you can encounter in the wild. Sure. Um, and also we, we are tailoring these classes to specific states as well. Okay. So, um, we have an upcoming course for the Carolinas, um, one today, the 14th and another on the 28th. It's through Zoom, and we cover some issues specific to the Carolinas as well, um, such as sharks, alligators, um, <laughs> bears, uh, some yeah, <laughs> snake species you can find in the Carolinas, sure. spiders you can find in the Carolinas, uh, and what to do if you encounter these and what to do if you happen to get injured um, by any of these types of animals. Um, also, riptides, hurricanes, uh, jellyfish, uh, so a lot of a lot of information that is specific to the Carolinas that a lot of wilderness first aid classes just won't offer. Um, so uh, a very unique and valuable experience for people in that respect. You know, I love to go out in my hammock, um, but I'm, I'm like a like a meat tortilla for a bear. A burrito. <laughs> <laughs> look, I look at that by the way. Um, you know, and on your website, which is survivalmedonline.org, uh, if, it has a little thing. If you'd like to participate in hands-on skills, have the following materials ready to use. Flexible sprint or rolled up magazine. I guess that's making do with what you got, Taylor. A branch or ski pole, I guess you would use for a splint. Uh, ace bandage, sweatshirt or jacket, tarp or blanket. So you're actually doing some hands-on stuff via the, uh, the Zoom call? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, we go through many different kind of medical and survival scenarios, and some of those do involve hands-on demonstrations. And so part of what I like about the flexibility of this class is it can be as involved as each participant wants. So I have some people right there on the Zoom call with me who, you know, practice tourniquets. They practice the splints. They practice the spine stabilizations right along with me. Okay. And I demonstrate how to do that with gear that you'd be carrying in your own backpack out on the trail. So you don't need anything fancy. It really is just, you know, about improvising with stuff that you're realistically going to have around at the time of an emergency. 
So some people are able to do that along with me. Others kind of just would like to do it on their own time. And so they go back and watch the recording. They practice those skills whenever they want. And so it kind of offers that that flexibility for people. Absolutely. Got about a minute and a half left. Uh, and I hate to jam all this in when there's so much to cover. Uh, Daniel, is there something you want to talk about for a minute or so and let Natalie finish it up? Sure. Um, so uh, another thing I'll add in addition to the Wilderness First Aid course that uh, we offer and the Wilderness First Responder that we offer as well, we're also currently working on um, providing a general uh, wilderness survival course to the public as well. So um, currently most of our courses deal with medical conditions okay. that you'll find in the wild. Um, but we're also working on developing a course um, to treat or, or to, to deal with general survival as well, such as water procurement, firecraft, food procurement in the wild, um, poisonous plants, dangerous animals. Uh, desert survival, tropical survival, mountain and Arctic survival, and sea survival. Oh, wow! Um, so, so this is a this is another project that we're very excited about that's up and coming, and we hope to have that available in June. Cool. Um, so, but for now, um, we're also very excited about the current courses we're offering, and um, hope to have as many people join us for the upcoming Carolina session as possible. Um, we feel that it's really valuable information for people to have. And uh, we're looking forward to um, to teaching it. Absolutely. Natalie, 10 seconds? <laughs> yeah, I guess just to close out, I'd say, uh, you know, it, it really applies for everyone, regardless of kind of the level of medical training you do or do not have. I think we've had people from brain surgeons all the way down to 10-year-olds take this wilderness first aid class. Okay. So it's a huge spectrum. Uh, I think pretty much everyone could walk away with something really valuable from it and uh, you know, it, it really is open to, to all types. Thank you. Thank you both for your time. And uh, y'all hang on more Woods and Water South on the other side. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Sorry, my playlist is, I lived out in is expanding. A lot of Darius Rucker and Hootie showing up in my phone. Not here. I got a but I'm talking about on my phone. Ah. Ah, yes. Ah, on my phone. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. Uh, thank you for spending part of your Saturday with us. Uh, you can follow us along at, what do we have? What is it? Woods and Water SC on Facebook? Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? I can never remember what it is. Woods Water SC Radio. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. On Facebook? Maybe it's still on Instagram. I know it's on Instagram. It's, yeah, facebook.com backslash Woods and Water SC. It's Woods and Water SE Radio on Instagram. Okay, and then mine on Facebook and Instagram is Taylor M. Outdoors. Taylor M. Outdoors. That's you kind of just kind of went over that M like, whew. <laughs> Taylor M. Outdoors. Yes, mm-hmm. there you go. Uh... So yeah, this this show moves fast. Goodness gracious, live! It's hard to keep up sometimes. <coughs> Excuse me. I have a I have a cough button here. What? I have a cough button. I just never use it because I can yeah. never get to it fast enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You just always either cough or sneeze. Ah, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. For some reason or another, I don't think it's allergies. I think it's just I'm just worn out. But anyway, 
Uh, yes, yeah, so that was good. We're gonna have, we're gonna have them back on to talk more about this towards the fall. Uh, when people start getting out in the woods, I mean, there's a lot of people out in the woods in the summertime, but I think there's a another huge surge and going back in the fall. I hope some of you will will look into this. I mean, thirty five dollars for a Zoom call, um, or you can watch a recording. And again, the 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 website is survivalmedonline.org. Uh, and then it's the first aid, wilderness first aid. Let's see, Taylor, it's, it's got a bunch of stuff on here. Mm-hmm. Hands-on instruction, interactive medical and survival scenarios. That's where that's what Daniel went through about, you know, the flash floods, the broken bones, the bears. Um, let's roll on through here just a little bit because I told him we we thought we were going to have another phone call this segment, but y'all are stuck with us. Sorry. Uh, okay. Frequently asked questions. Do I have to attend all the dates? No. You only need to attend one of the classes or watch the recording if you can't make it. So even if you can't make on the 28th, you can't make the Zoom call, you can watch the recording. No age restrictions. Uh, you don't have to have a Zoom account. I have one of those. I actually have the app on my phone. Isn't that scary? Uh, you don't have to live inside the United States. What I'm here is uh, I have already taken a WFA course in the past. Can I use that this to recertify? Said yes, can. What is SARTEC, Taylor? Sorry, search what and, now? Search and rescue. Does this qualify for SARTEC? Um, search and re- rescue. Search and, search and rescue. Is it? Uh, oh gosh, I can't search remember. Search and rescue tech. But it says this first aid qualifies for SARTEC Level 3 with a National Association for Search and Rescue. If you need two, check out the Wilderness Responder online course. Okay. How long is the course? I thought this was interesting. The online or Zoom course is two and a half hours. Uh, the certification exam is an hour. The supplemental textbook and podcast provide up to 40 hours of additional course content. So... That's kind of interesting. If I watch the recording, can I still tell you? Yes. If you're a Boy Scout of America, this does not. Let's see. You have to have a 16-hour in-person class for WFA certification. However, we are working to provide the survival merit badge to scouts. It will be available soon. And um, it does meet some of the OSHA requirements. Kind of fun, my brother and sister. Mm-hmm. I did not know that before we went on the air. I thought maybe they were married. <laughs> Glad I didn't say anything about that. You didn't do much research, did you? It was, this came up. I'm serious. I, I, I saw this course online on Tuesday. I messaged him Tuesday afternoon. He just responded Thursday morning. Of course, we're recording this early. So, I mean, I haven't known but a few hours that they were going to be on. So I think we did pretty good. I think we did, too. Speaking of, uh, we do have a calendar for events. We do. It's, it's just very short. short. Yeah. There's so much going on, but this is hey, y'all. If you if you don't know, I'm going to count it in my real life. It's your and real life. This weekend is the last weekend of tax season. Well, it's the last weekend of the first deadline of tax season. I have two more deadlines later on in the fall, but yeah, it's a, this this show has kind of been helter skelter, but it's it's come together nicely, I think. Mm-hmm. But the calendar events is short because I don't haven't had a whole lot of time to go surfing and find things for y'all to do, <laughs> which you know 
I haven't looked at SCI Way in a long time. I keep looking on that the DNR. That was like the portal for everything. DNR's got some fishing clinics coming up. I We've saw those. Over that a lot. Do what? Did we go over those last week? No, we didn't. Oh, these are new ones? They've oh. got some stuff coming up, yes. They're starting to do some things. Oh, gosh. There's there's yeah, there, there's some more stuff coming up. <coughs> God damn. Cough button. Where is it? What? There yeah, it that is. That was the cough button. Okay, okay, cough button. Are you done dying now? Uh, not quite. Okay. I've got a couple more times to All die. Right. Uh, but yes, we do have a, a short calendar brought to you by Capital City. Lake Murray Country. Very good. Uh, speaking of Lake Murray Country, the 2022 Strike King Big Bass Challenge is coming back to Lake Murray uh, May the 20, May the 15th. Lines in at 635. The takeoff location is anywhere on Lake Murray. Uh, the official way site is the Drew Island State Park Way and Pavilion at 50, 3677 State Park Road in Prosperity. Uh, fish must come to this way in site by water. Very important for that one. Uh, the way in periods are 7 a.m. to 8.59, 9 a.m. to 10.59, 11 to 12.59, and 1 to 2.59. And there, the payouts per period are 750 bucks, 450 bucks, 300, 225, and 120. That's one through fourth. Uh, 200 plus angler bonus of 250, 250 bucks, first place. And if they have 300 plus anglers, it's a 350 buck bonus. Brought to you in prize drawings by Strike King Lou's, Mammoth, Black Rifle Coffee, and Lucas Marine Oil Products. The grand prize is a total bait boat makeover. You need to go fish this. Get you a total, is about, yeah, yeah okay. the heaviest bass. Uh, $5,000 gift card for use on Strike King or Lose products. They have a pro night at uh, Pavilion State Armory there on Ferdinand Drive in Columbia on 514 from 4 to 7. And uh, if you're the first 100 to pre-register, you get a free Lose Strike King gift card. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's one of those, you know, go out and catch a big fish, win some money. I like money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. Um, is this Friends of Lake Joe Cassie putting this on? I believe it is. Okay. So they're putting on a Fishing with Friends trout tournament out of Devil's Fork State Park Saturday, April 30th from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Registration opens at 7 a.m. Um, it's $40 registration fee per person, but all ages are welcome. Yeah. A trout tournament mm-hmm. like Now, a lot of people know there's some big, big trout being taken out of Lake Jocassi oh, right yeah. now. Oh, yeah. I'm sure everybody's so focused on the bass. Yeah, <laughs> some big ones. Uh, this one's kind of a community. If, if you've got a boat, uh, Rusty Nichols, I think that's Palmetto State. Uh, bass. Oh, no. English. What is it? Palmetto. Gosh. I, just, I should have written this down. But anyway, Rusty Nichols, I, I believe. I'm going to look him up right quick. Rusty Nichols. Okay. Palmetto State Bassmasters. That's it. Okay. Okay, see, I was, I was close. You were close. Every year they do a tournament, and everybody says it's one of the best ones. It's the benefit, and you take a kid fishing from the Connie Maxwell Children's Ministries Fishing Tournament. He put out a little uh, thing that said he needs 14 boats with two adults per boat to take a fishing kid fishing on May the 28th. Uh, the tournament itself is on Lake Russell, Calhoun Falls State Park. There's no entry. Safe light until 12. It's a hot dog lunch afterwards. 
And he's got some people signed up, but he needs 14 more. Looks like he needs 20 altogether. So, yeah, and it's early. But, yeah, if you want to do something for someone else, mainly a kid at Connie Maxwell Children's Home, uh, this is for you. Donate a few hours, get on the water early, have hot dogs, and come home and... Have hot dogs? Yeah, hot dogs. This is hot dog. Oh. Hot dog lunch. As long as they have chili on them. They don't got chili. I'm not interested. I, you know, we've we we've had some food miscues here lately. Oh. Yeah. I mean the 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 grill up there coming back from oh don't Joe get and Kiwi started. It closes in the afternoon, so they do have leftover hot dogs that they keep under a warmer, and they were good. I oh, love how they oh toast no. their buns. I'm thinking. Oh, of, I know where you're going. Uh huh. I know where you're going. Go uh-huh. ahead. Go ahead. Buffalo Creek. Yes. How dare they be closed? When you're down there fishing. We went all the way to Lake Murray. And then drove all the way to, down the lake. Um, or up the to lake. To fish for the food. Um, <laughs> and we pull up, tie off, and they're and closed. They're closed. How? I'll be, down, I'll be down there next week. I'll, I'll call them and find You'll out You'll be why. down there? Yeah. Why won't we be down there? I don't know. Depends on about your schoolwork or not. You only got Nobody three, cares you only got three weeks left. Nobody cares about homework anymore. So I'm got, basically done. Y'all, she has short-timers disease. No, I have senioritis. Oh, no, you have short-timers disease. Senior. And senioritis. senioritis. Oh, uh, so I have both. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the fishing is off the charts right now. Go a lot of bedding fish. That herring, the herring gracious. bites going off, I think, on Hartwell. They said look for upper 60s. I think I saw 62 and a half the other day. We saw 63. Um, Kiwi. We saw 63. We went up the creek on the lower side of the lake. Yeah, we're on lower in the lake. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, I mean, you'll find some. If you go to Joe Cassie or anywhere that's got some water source from a northern lake, well, you're going to find some. Stream, yeah, 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 you're going to find some cooler <laughs> water. But run down the lake, I'm guarantee you'll find warmer. some 60 degrees. Yeah. So what's that herring bite starting to go off? And there all you need is a white look zoom Look for fluke. the seagulls. Yeah, look for birds. Sometimes those are stripers. So yeah, sometimes yeah. The other day it was spotted bass. We got lucky. It'll be. Uh, I, I need to go. I'm gonna go snipe some of Anthony's places he fished last year in that FLW tournament. Let's see if those fish are still coming up there after the herring. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. All right. Thanks for tuning in. I hope y'all have a great rest of the weekend and a blessed Easter. Uh, as always, make time to get out there. Take the back roads when you can. And don't forget the camera. We'll see you back here with more Woods and Water South Carolina next weekend. From behind, I'm gone to